today what we're going to do is we are going to start a brand new series titled Ingredients. Okay, really excited about this series. Um, let me start off by asking you this. How many of y'all love to bake? Let me see. We got some bake. Oh, a lot of people. Okay, bake a cake, whatever, whatever it is. You love it. Okay, how many of y'all, those of you that love to bake, let me ask you this question. How many of you have a secret recipe of some kind that you're not willing to share with anybody? Does anybody have a secret recipe? Not, maybe a few people? Okay, all right. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this. Shannon can bake, okay? She's really good at it. And the reason she's really good at it is because her mom is really good at it. And there's a certain item that they'll bake um, called orange blossoms, okay? And what these are... Are these are little mini cakes that taste like they came straight out of God's oven in heaven. They are so good. They're so good. And if you ask her for the recipe, you can try. And if you ask her mom for what the ingredients are, again, you can try, but they're not going to tell you. It's a secret family recipe. In fact, I don't even get to know, which wouldn't do me any good anyway, even if I did know. So... When Shannon and I were in charge of the college ministry back at St. Luke, um, and we'd have all the college students over at our house, there were two things that they would always ask for. Uh, number one is orange blossoms, and number two is monkey bread. How many of y'all know monkey bread? Yep, the pull apart, yep. Love it, love it, love it. And so since I can't give you the ingredients um, for the orange blossoms, and maybe, maybe we can talk Shannon and her mom into making some for church one Sunday, okay? So y'all be here through the series, you never know. When that's going to happen. Since I can't share with you the ingredients for monkey bread, I mean for orange blossoms, you're going to have to settle for the ingredients for this. Delicious. Now, Shannon made this yesterday for me, and then she made the mistake of leaving me at home. And yesterday I was like, this is so good, I'm going to use this for an illustration. And then today is Nathan's birthday, okay? So y'all tell Nathan happy birthday when you see him and you pick up your kids. I'm like, I'll give him that for his birthday cake, right? But you know what happened? I'm sitting there all day long, and I'm anxious about the games coming up, and I ate. <laughs> That's not so bad, is it? That's not too bad. So when I give it to Nathan, I'm just going to give it to him like this. There you go, right? But this is monkey bread, and... Uh, I'll share the recipe with you, okay? I'll share you the ingredients, okay? One is biscuits. All you do is you buy some biscuits, you cut them up, and I'm saying all you do, like I really know how to do it. Shannon, I watched Shannon do it. Biscuits, uh, you, you cut those up into tiny strips. Then you got to have brown sugar. Brown sugar is necessary for this, and it's so good when it gets caked on and caramelized on the side. Watch out, it's so good. It'll make your tongue slap your gums. Uh, and, and then uh, cinnamon, butter, and sugar. So biscuits, brown sugar, cinnamon, butter, and sugar. Five things. Five ingredients from monkey bread. Okay? And if you do all five of those, it'll make a fantastic dessert. One of my favorites. Okay? Now, why am I talking about this? Why am I talking about this in church? What does this have to do with church? Here's, here's where we're going with this. Just like this dessert has five main ingredients, you need all five. You could try to make it with one or two or three. You could leave something out, but it's not going to be as good, right? So here's where I'm going to this. At this church, we have five main ingredients that we focus on. Okay, there are five purposes, five principles that make this church a great place to be. And just like baking, you can try to make this church work with one 
two, maybe even get four of them. But man, what you need is you need all five ingredients to complete the recipe for an amazing church. And as we get closer and closer to our own worship space, y'all, it is coming. It is so close. Y'all help me pray for this. I am praying that this week we get the keys, but it is so close. It's going to be so soon. I thought that it would be a great thing to share with you the five main ingredients that make for a great church as we get ready to move into our new place. Each one's important. Each one needs to be mixed in. And if you really care about your church, or even if you're new, and this is your first time here, and you're like, I don't know, like, I'm not really connected to this church. What is this, what is this series got to do with me? Listen, this is going to be great for your personal faith, okay? Because if you want to grow your personal faith, if you want to grow closer to Christ, the way to do that is to be a part of a great church family. So what you're going to do is over these next couple of weeks, as we work through the series, you're going to hear the steps that we're taking here at the church to be a great body of believers. And if you live into these personally, it's going to help develop your faith. In fact, it's so important. This series is so important. We're going to go over this for the next five weeks. It really means so much that I want to challenge you to be here every Sunday. Every Sunday from now through the end of this series, okay? I think that we can all do that. In fact, this is five weeks and one week, you're already here. Good job. You're already 100%. Look at you. You're doing great. Turn your neighbor and say, good job, and give him a high five. Good job. We're already there. All right. One down. Four weeks to go. You can do this. Okay, okay, all right, all right, all right, all right. I know things happen, and I know there's going to be one Sunday. All right, so maybe I'll let you miss one Sunday as long as you catch up online, okay? We'll, we'll settle for that. But I really want you to be here. The reason I'm stressing this so much is because these principles are important. And if we're faithful and we use these ingredients, we're willing to work this recipe for a great church, God's going to do great things in and through this church family. And not just within the church, but like I said before, in your life also. And these five things, these five ingredients, these five goals, these five purposes, these aren't just something that I just decided and made up one day. No, no, no. These things come straight from the Word of God. So in order to break this down a little bit, and to share these ingredients with you, I want to talk through two main pieces of Scripture that are some of the most important words that Jesus spoke. And when we study these, what we're going to find is that these contain these five purposes that lead to a great church, okay? Five values from two very important pieces of Scripture, the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. And when we incorporate all of these things, what it does is it gives us balance and it gives us purpose. So let's look at the Scripture that gives us these five values here, the these two different pieces of scripture, they're basically what they are are summary statements. And we like summary statements. You know, when we're scrolling through our apps, we like to read the little summary headlines that they have. Sometimes I don't need to hear all the details. Just summarize it for me. Just sum it all up so I know what I need to know to move forward. So with that in mind, the first piece of scripture we're going to look at comes from the fact that somebody asked Jesus for a summary. Somebody came up to Jesus and he's like, listen, I know all the rules. I know all the laws. There's over 600 of them. And he's like, I know what God's word says. So Jesus, if you could just sum it all up for me. Like if you could sum up the law, if you could sum up living for God, what would you say? How would you put it? Here's what Jesus said. Let's read a summary statement. He says this. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. 
And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law, okay, here, here's, in summary, all the law and all the demands of the prophets, everything that you've been reading about, everything you're trying to follow, they're based on these two commandments. Basically, Jesus is like, if you love God and you love other people, everything else works out. If you concentrate on this relate, the horizontal relationship, I mean the vertical, sorry, <laughs> I was up late last night watching football and Braves. Ooh, the Braves. Anyway, if you focus on the vertical relationship and the horizontal relationship, if you focus on those two things, everything else will fall in place, right? Everything else will just work out if you're concentrated on those two relationships. Instead of making it all about me, like we said last week, my three favorite people in life, me, myself, and I, right? If I would just learn to put Jesus and others first. In fact, I preach from this verse as much as I possibly can because it's vital for us as Christ followers to understand. And it's even more important that we're reminded of this because sometimes we forget. We forget. And this is also why I say every Sunday, if you come to the Ridge, you will hear me say this every Sunday, that I want people to experience two things, the love of Jesus and the love of a church family because those are the two main ingredients. Those are the two things. That Jesus tells us to concentrate on. So that's number one. That's number two. But we said that there's three. That we said that there's five. So there's three more. So what are the other three? Well, at another time in Jesus' ministry, just before he ascended into heaven, he gives these final instructions, another summary statement to his disciples, to us. And it's called the Great Commission. So let's read that. Here we go. Matthew 28. It says this. He tells the disciples, he tells us, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So this is kind of like a mission statement to the disciples. Jesus is like, this is what I'm expecting you to do once I'm gone. And they watch him leave, right? But Jesus also reminds them, he says, listen, don't worry. You're not on your own with this. I'm going to give you my presence, the Holy Spirit, a part of myself to help you, to guide you, to comfort you, to protect you as you live into these things. Okay, so now that we've read these two pieces of Scripture, what are the five values? What are the five ingredients that make up a recipe for a great church? Here they are. You can write these down if you want to on your notes. I didn't put these as fill in the blanks because each week we're going to go through these. So baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We're going to summarize that as you can't do life alone. Okay. Number two, when Jesus says go and make disciples, we're going to summarize that as found people find people. Okay. Then when Jesus says love your neighbor as yourself, we're going to put it this way. Save people, serve people. Number four, Jesus says, teach everyone to obey all the commands. So we're going to summarize that. We're going to say, growing people change. And then number five, when he says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, we're going to say, worship is a lifestyle. That's it right here. Okay, these promises, these will promise success for our church and expanding the kingdom of God and even in our personal lives. And what we're going to do is each week we're going to walk through these over the next five weeks, including today. And here's the deal. I know some of you are probably sitting there and you're thinking to yourself, I've heard these before, right? This kind of sounds familiar. And if that's the case, good. 
that's good. Like, that's my goal here is to make these memorable, to make these stick, because it's that important. I hope that you've heard, if you've been a part of this church, I hope that you have heard this before, because honestly, what I try to do is I try to speak or preach on these principles at least one time of year, because we need to be reminded of this, because this is it. This is what the church is all about. So for that reason, we need to talk about this as much as possible. So today, we're going to start here. We're going to start with you can't do life alone. Now, this part of the mission deals with the section where Jesus talks about baptizing people. Okay? We get this from the Great Commission where he says, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, let's talk about baptism for just a minute and what it means. Now, we do baptisms different ways in the Methodist Church, but the main way we do it is we sprinkle. And you know what? That's not just a Methodist thing. I don't, I don't know why everybody just thinks that's just a Methodist thing. But not, honestly, that, that's in a lot of different churches. It's very common in a lot of churches and a lot of different denominations. It traces all the way back to churches that just weren't located near water. And what they would do is they would bring some water into the church. Right? And chances are, or maybe they were located near some water, but you just didn't want to use the Like right now, I don't know that it would be so good for us just to break church and go outside and use a little pond right out there to baptize people, okay? Now, you may not, y'all might want to see me try that, especially on a cool morning. That, that would be, I don't know how clean that water, I don't know what snake is in that water, and we are not one of those kinds of churches, okay? <laughs> I'm not touching any snakes, right? But what I can do, okay? What I can do is bring some clean water inside, right? And I can baptize right here on the stage. But, you know, that's not just the only way. We also dunk people, right? We can be Baptist. You've seen me be Baptist before. We can pour, which is where you just fill up. Have you ever seen at the end of a game where they surprise the coach and they dump the Gatorade bucket on them? Have you ever seen that? Kind of think of that when it comes to pouring in baptism. It's just a big bucket. That's, it's, a, it's really messy, but it's a lot of fun, you know. Uh, it's kinda, I was thinking about that yesterday, about how, you know, they try to surprise the coach with, um, you know, the Gatorade thing. What if we surprise people with baptism? Surprise! No, I don't, I don't think that's how it works. Um, I don't think we should do that. Surprise, you've been baptized. Um, here's the deal. Here's the deal. There are different ways to baptize. That's not what's important, though. What's important is what it symbolizes, right? Because here's why. What we're doing is that when we're baptized, we're symbolizing, we're identifying ourselves with Christ. It's symbolic of being washed clean and the sins being taken away by the presence of God. When we're baptized, it's publicly, it's our way of saying, I'm with him and I'm with them. I'm not alone. I've tried to do it on my own, and I can't. I'm with him, and I'm with them. It's one of the most important things that we can do in the life of the church. In fact, if you're here a little while back, you remember that we had around 15 people baptized or renew their baptisms, and basically it was their way of saying, I'm not alone. I'm not doing life alone. I'm with Jesus, and I'm with this church family. In fact, that's why it's important to be baptized in the presence of other believers. You know, I have people ask me all the time, well, what about, can I just be baptized at my home, just, just myself? And you, you know, it's what baptism is, it's a testimony. 
It's a testimony of the work that God is doing in your life. It's a way of saying that you are with God, but it's also a way of proclaiming that you are with your family. People need to be there. People need to see this. Because it's all about not doing life alone. It's about being a part of a family. The family of God, the family of believers. In fact, we use that term a lot when we talk about church, especially here at the Ridge, that we're a family. You know, the church isn't just about a building. It's not. Which is what people think of when they think of church. Of course, that's the first thing you want to think of where they are or what building they're in. It's very normal to think this way. And this is where I think we at the Ridge have a better understanding of the church being a family because we've been without a building for so long. Now, all that's going to change soon. But I still think that that's going to be part of our DNA. And just in case you don't know or maybe you're new here, I'll fill you in a little bit of our history. For those of y'all that... Uh, maybe don't know where we came from before Brookstone, we actually started in a cheerleading facility. And if you ask people about the early days of starting in the cheer, cheerleading facility, you'll find two responses. Number one is that they are extremely proud of being part of that first group that was there. And number two, you'll find out that most of them still have nightmares about it. I still dream about getting caught up and trapped inside rolled up cheerleading mats. It's crazy. And then we moved after that. We moved to a theater, which was great until the summer blockbuster movies came. And they started showing them during service. One of my favorite stories was during the blockbuster season, you know, during the summer, which I I didn't know. But in case you don't know, movies now are digital, right? So they're on a timer. And in the summer, they programmed the movies to start early, like during church early. And so suddenly during church, right, the lights went out. The movie bulb came on in the back. The screen started to widen. The THX, you remember the old THX sound effect that went, you remember that? Right in the middle of my sermon. So when the THX song was done and we're getting ready for the previews, I looked at the church. I was like, y'all, I got bad news and I got good news. Bad news is church is done. Good news is who's excited to see Frozen? (laughs) And that's what happened, seriously. But now... Now we'll be moving into our new facility off Williams Road, and we couldn't be more excited about it. But again, when we finally do have a worship space of our own, it's important for us to remember that the church is not a building. It's all about family. And also realize that when I talk about the church being a family, I also know that there's a large percentage of people that might say, oh, that's sweet. Like, I love the church being a family. That's so great. And then there are others of you that are like, have you ever seen my family? (laughs) Right? They're like, thanks, but no thanks. My relatives, man. You know, families, let's be honest. Families are pretty broken. And some of you may not have had the best examples. Everyone here has only had one childhood. So you've kind of only had one example. For better or for worse, you've been kind of shaped by that childhood experience. And some of you, you think, man, my family is the only messed up. Nobody else is as crazy as my family. But it's not. No no joke. When I was little, one time my uncle told me that he was a magician. And he looked at me and he smiled at me with these huge bright white teeth. And then he turned around and he took his teeth out. He turned back around he smiled again. And that's why I messed up today. That's why I messed up. I was like when I was eight years old, he thought it was funny. It was not funny. Scared me to death, right? And what made things worse, he was in his 30s. Like... Why? Why? What, what, what's going on here? Later on, I found out it's because of fights and wrecking his Harley, okay? So, 
we all have those family members, okay? And chances are, if you don't know who that family member in your family is, it's because you're that family member, okay? Anyway, anyway, if we all come from a little crazy, right? Where am I going with this? The church is filled with messy people. We are. But the good news is, is that God loves to use messy people. That's where God does his work. Look at every story in the Bible. Every story involves someone where God, Christ, restores and redeems, right? And he can make this. He can make each one of us and he can make this church family a wonderful, amazing family that he desires. So realizing that we can't do life alone. We need to be baptized, brought into the family of God, brought into the church family healthy church family that expands God's kingdom. Let me give you three choices that, that you can make that will help strengthen that relationship within the family of God. Okay, So here's your fill in the blanks. Number one is this. Choose to belong. Choose to belong. Two things that we need to talk about when we talk about choosing to join the family. Number one is the book of life. Number two is baptism. We already talked about baptism, so let me talk about the book of life for a minute. One way that you choose to be a part of the family of God is by accepting Christ. Plain and simple. When you do that, when you accept Christ, Christ is alive inside of you. He changes you and he adopts you into the family of God. And when that happens, Scripture says that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Have you ever heard of that? The Lamb's book of life. Let me tell you, friends, you're going to want your name to be in the Lamb's book of life. Because in the book of Revelation, it says that one day when judgment comes, you want your name to be in there. And if it isn't, well, then you're not going to spend eternity with God and a part of that family. But if you accept Christ, and it's your choice, then your name is written in that book. And listen to what Scripture says, what, what it'll be like in heaven. It says this in Revelation 21. It says, look, God's home is now among his people, and he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain, and it's your choice. We get to choose to be a part of the family of God that will live for him uh, forever. And he wants that for you. So some people ask, well, how? Like, how do I make that choice? How do I accept Christ? And you know what? Let me go through this once again. Because the, the reason I go through this as often as possible is because I, I know that many of you have accepted Christ. I know that there may be a few of you in here or a few of you online that haven't. And you need to hear these words, okay? But those of you that have already accepted Christ, you also need to know how to share that with other people. So I'm going to give it to you as far as your ABCs. And here it is. A is this. In order to accept Christ, you've got to admit that I need Jesus as my Savior. I've got to ask for forgiveness, right? I've got to admit that I need him in my life. And then B is for believe. I've got to believe that he died and rose again. And then C, I don't, I don't know how it all works out. And I don't know really how to do this. But as well as I know how, I'm going to commit my life to Christ. I'm going to follow his example. I'm going to do the best I can for him because of what he's done for me. Salvation by way of your ABCs. Admit that you need him. Believe that he died and was resurrected. Commit your life to him. And you do that. You're accepted into the family of God. It's amazing to think. We went and saw this movie this past week, The Blind, from Phil Robertson. And at the very end of the movie, he went through this with everybody because of his life and how he went through these steps and became a believer in Christ and the change that it brought. How it brought him 
into the family of God, also how it brought him back into his family, into within the church family. So this is step number one, is to choose to believe. God is very clear about that. And if you'd like to be baptized to show this connection to God, to show that you're connected with the church family, come and talk to me. I, I want to talk to you more about that. So number two, the second choice you can make is choose to share. Choose to share. Think about this for a minute. How well are we sharing our lives with our church family and those around us? Let's give ourselves kind of like this mental progress report. Do you, do you remember on your report card you used to get a conduct grade? Do y'all remember the conduct grades on your report card? Yeah. Some of y'all, how many of y'all did well on your conduct grade? Yeah, I was, I was, that, I was that student. Um, give yourself like kind of a mental conduct grade. When it comes to sharing, because when you were in school, a lot of what it had to do with conduct was how well you shared with others, how well you shared your things, shared your feelings, shared your emotions with other people. It's important. In the early church family, in Acts chapter 2, right after Jesus gives that great commission, right after he leaves and goes to heaven, we see the early church being established. And they gave us a great example of what it meant to share what they had with each other. And we see this in Acts chapter 2. It says this, The believers met together in one place, and they shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions, and they shared the money with those in need. And they shared their means with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. So maybe ask yourself this question. Give yourself a conduct grade. Give yourself the, the progress report and ask yourself, Am I sharing? You know, I can't do life alone. How well do I share with others, with my church family? And you know what? Sharing doesn't just mean things. It also means resources. It means time. It means talent. You know what? We're going to need you to share your talents with us and your time with us when we move to the new location because we're going to be moving to two services and we're going to need people to work one and worship one. Not every Sunday, but just on a, you know, a regular routine kind of basis. But we need that because what we realize is that we can't do life alone. In order to make church work, and because I belong to this church family, I'm called to share. So choose to share. Number three, and this is the last one, is choose to love. Choose to love. 1 John 3.16 says, We know what real love is from Christ's example in dying for us. As so, we also ought to lay down our lives for our Christian brothers. We love. We love other people because Jesus Christ first loved us. And we show love when we're willing to sacrifice for others. When we live by the example of Christ and how we love others, basically what it does is it proves that we are trying our best to be committed believers in Jesus Christ. You know what I put this like? It's, it's like being able to tell someone's child just because of the way they act, what they say, how they are. You can look at somebody's child and you're like, that is so-and-so's child right now. Every, every now and then, some of y'all remember when my dad was at St. Mark um, a while back. And every now and then, I'll just stop myself and I'm like, man, I sound just like my dad. Some people come up and they hear me preaching like, man, you sound just like your dad. Do you know what? I want that to be said when it comes to my Heavenly Father. And how I love others. You see, Scripture says this in John 13, 35. He says, all people will know that you're my follower, that you're my children, that you're with me, that you're part of the family of God, that you're part of the family of believers, that you're not doing life alone. If what? If you love each other. 
when the horizontal is good, when this is going good, it shows that this is going good. It's proof to everybody around us. This is going to prove to everybody that we're part of God's family, that we are just like our Heavenly Father. So is this church family, is it perfect? No, not at all. The good news is God uses messy people. I believe, though, that God wants this church to be a safe place where anybody and everybody can come and know that they're loved, loved by God, loved by us here. And you know what? It doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter what you've done. doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter that we don't agree. You know we're not going to agree on everything, right? There are going to be things that I don't agree with you, you don't agree with me, you don't agree with each other, but we still love each other. It doesn't have to divide us. Everyone is loved right here at the Ridge. So we need to make sure that we're practicing the right things in this church family. Because if we're committed to our own spiritual growth, if we're committed to being a part of a wonderful church family, you know what's going to happen? Is that other people are going to see that type of love and how we're not wanting to do life alone. And they're going to want to be part of it. Because there's something inside of us that craves community. God put that in there. To be with them and to be with each other. People are going to see that and they're going to want to be a part of it. So you know what? Let's, let's practice these things. Let's practice bringing other people into a relationship with Christ through the ABCs. Let's practice sharing of ourselves, of our time, of our resources, being involved. Let's practice loving one another so much that we're willing to sacrifice. Like Christ sacrificed for us, we're willing to do that and go further for other people around us. Because truth is, you can't do life alone. You're not meant to do life alone. And I'm so thankful. For my relationship with Jesus and my relationship with you. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much. We thank you for accepting us into your family. God, even though we've all sinned, we've all fallen short at one time or another in our lives, God, you still pour out your grace when we don't deserve it. You still welcome us into your loving arms. So, God, I, I just pray for all of those that are here, maybe online, that may, maybe they, they haven't accepted you before. God, that they would, they would make that commitment today. God, touch their hearts. God, help them understand that this is their choice to be a part of the family of God. And, God, if there's anybody here that hasn't been baptized, I pray that they would be bold enough to make that public affirmation, God, that they would come up. Talk to me to be a part of this wonderful church family. But God, just, just help us to practice the right things. Help us to be that church family that brings other people into a loving relationship with you. Help us to be willing to share our lives in a way that makes you proud. Help us to be willing to sacrifice ourselves in the way that we love and care for each other. God, just help us to love as you have loved us. Because we know that when we do these things, we know that it leads to a healthy church family. And at the end of the day, people will know that we belong to you. Jesus, we love you. It's in your name we pray all these things. Amen. Amen.